0: Welcome once again to the GreatAMovies.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon, and I'm joined by Alec Toombs Aust- Alec Toombs and Adam Austin. I'll get it all right eventually. I guess, I, don't, so, I haven't. I haven't named a child after
1: Alec yet. So yeah. I mean,
0: I'm. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm showing my age here. I'm afraid. i with all <laughs> you young guys, and I just. I feel for, overshadowed. So, Adam Austin, you've already introduced yourself. Uh, you all write for gradeamovies.com You also write for TheFilmYap.com. Good to see you again, Adam. And Alec Toombs is with us also. Alec, uh, another writer for GreatAMovies.com, also a contributor to TheFilmYap.com. Good to have you back with us, Alec.
2: Good to see you, Larry.
0: So we we have a lot to talk about today. I do want to mention that you can read, again, Adam and Alex reviews on GradeAMovies.com. Just put it all together when you put it in your URL. GradeAMovies.com or your search engine, whatever you're going to use, and you'll find all their material there. As again, they also write for theFilmYap.com. You'll see that uh, their, their, their contributions there, along with a lot of other critics, it's a good. Uh, both of those uh, websites are excellent if you look for good uh, film criticism. And I do some uh, film reviews at com under my Arts and Fishers podcast. So we're going to talk about a number of issues. We're going to talk about some films. But before we do, I think the, the, the one story that overshadows everything in film for the past year or so, over a year, has been the pandemic. Now we're beginning to recover from the pandemic. And movie theaters were closed for the most part, struggled to come back. Now we've got some content, Uh, A Quiet Place is out there, Cruella's out there, there are other films out there. Uh, My understanding is, and I I don't have the most recent figures, but uh, the Memorial Day weekend is when things really started to ramp up. The top 10 films grossed a total of $117 million. And movie theaters haven't seen that figure for a very long time, or anything close to it. Certainly a sign that People are going back to theaters again. And just A Quiet Place in itself, A Quiet Place grossed $300 million globally, $300 million for a film that cost, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, $17 million to produce. Um, Let me just get a comment or two. Adam, uh, amplify on that or just talk about that for a moment.
1: I think part of it has to do with, first of all, Quiet Place Part 2, right now it it is amplified and i i use that word cuz it's a sound movie um that really amplifies the experience seeing it in a theater uh both the sound system the great visuals and i think there's also a, a communal viewing experience with that film there's something about when it's quiet and the whole theater is quiet kind of being in that together um it was also a highly anticipated sequel and it's a sequel that is uh, very loved by the critics. Um, I'll hear what kind of what you two said. You heard me on the last podcast say that I was a big fan of A Quiet Place Part 2. On Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's in the 90s for its approval right now. I think another point, and we'll kind of get into this later with different movies, Quiet Place Part 2 right now is only available in theaters. If you want to see it, you've got to go to a movie theater, which is probably the best way to see it. Later on, it will be available on Paramount Plus, a newer streaming platform. But unlike some other films that I thought would do pretty well in theaters, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, or I don't know if I got the order right, which one came first. Um, and uh, this weekend, we saw The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, those are all available simultaneously upon release on HBO Max. And I think that might have ate into the box office a little bit as people who are already subscribers to that service might've found a, a, cheaper way to watch those movies. Um, those movies did fine, but I, you have to wonder if they would do even better. Um, if the movie theater was the only way to watch them.
0: So one last question for Adam, before I go to Alec here, uh, is this also a sign that Hollywood is, is now got some of this content they've been holding back for a while will the theaters be able to have people? Will they foresee people coming back into the movie theaters, paying to get in to see films, with the kind of films that we are expecting this summer?
1: I think that Quiet Place Part Two and Cruella both both done pretty well. I think so. The numbers you quoted. Uh, I think uh, Quiet Place Part Two will be the first movie to make a hundred million domestic at the box office. I think Godzilla Kong came pretty close. Uh, Cruella is is doing is quite well. But you also have to understand uh, Cruella, while it did cost a lot more, they say The Quiet Place Part two cost maybe 20 million to make. Cruella probably cost somewhere between 150 and 200 million to make. So that's a big production difference in those two films. But uh, Cruella had about 800,000 people pay 30 dollars to watch it at home the first weekend. I don't know what the second weekend was. You do that math, you know, over twenty million dollars in those sales, in addition to twenty million dollars in the box office the first weekend, and you have to wonder with a kids movie. I don't, Corolla is not really a kids movie, but it is on Disney, so maybe family ish movie. How many of those people that if they weren't having the streaming option would not have gone to the theater? They're not. Are they necessarily not losing out on theater going audiences because those people were? We're going to watch it at home because we've got four or five kids and we just don't want to venture out and make them wear masks the whole time or we're not watching at all. So maybe that's extra money that they would not have received if it was theater only for that screening.
0: Well, let me turn this to you, Alec. Uh, Any comments on these numbers we see for uh, for these movie theaters starting with Memorial Day weekend?
2: Uh, Cruella and The Quiet Place 2 both uh, did really well that weekend, and uh, I wasn't real surprised by that. I uh, do have a slight nit to pick with what Adam was saying before. Uh, Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It was actually the number one movie at the box office this past weekend, making $24 million in spite of being on HBO Max. And I expect In the Heights to do well, as well also in spite of also being on HBO Max. I, I think one doesn't exclude the other. I think both can be successful.
0: Well, let me uh, ask you, Alec. uh, I've just seen A Quiet Place Part Two, and uh, I'd like first for you, I mean, to talk about it. Uh, Alec, Adam talked about it last time we were together. Uh, You've seen A Quiet Place Part Two. Uh, What's your review like?
2: I liked the movie quite a bit. I didn't like it nearly as well as I liked the first one. I felt the first one had a lot more heart and substance to it. Uh, This one is a bigger movie. Uh, The scale of it is larger. Um, I enjoyed that they made Millicent Simmons, the uh, young deaf actress in the movie, the main character and gave her more uh, to chew into. Um, but overall, I didn't think it was quite as strong as the first one. I absolutely adored the first movie. This one I, I merely liked.
0: Well, and also I gave this a C And the reason I did that is because I, I'm very upfront with people. I'm not a big fan of these kinds of films. My wife, Jane, loves them. She went with me. She loved it. And I liked A Quiet Place Part 2, fine. But I I sort of uh, equated it to somebody who hates roller coasters. Somebody coaxes that person to get on the roller coaster. So you're on the roller coaster and you're going up this hill on the chain. And it's like forever. You know that coaster is going to head down and scare you to death. And that's I felt like I was on a constant roller coaster ride when I saw A Quiet Place Part 2. Uh, it it just it, it just really took everything out of me. you know we talked about how it was a ninety minute film. I don't think the audience could have taken more than ninety minutes of that uh It, it just takes uh, so much out of you and it, the suspense is just a killer there aren't
1: that so you would you would like to see um more breaks of the suspense like well, the, the first one had some breaks in it
0: I think that's true and and it's not a bad film c plus I give it only because and i say up front that's not my kind of film, but it did. What it did so well, I can't overlook that. Uh, and my wife liked You're a, lot you're that, a tough
1: grader, I? though,
2: Larry. Yeah,
0: but d- again, you I... You are a t- tough grader.
2: <laughs> sometimes I would I, yeah. give this new, I would give this new one a B-plus or a 4 out of 5-star rating, whereas the first one I gave an A-plus or a
1: 5-star rating. And I would... I would have. Go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry. I'd say it was an A-minus, but I was grading on the scale of I had lower expectations. I, I liked the first one, but not as much... I liked it better than Larry, less than Alec. But I thought for a sequel, it was one. If you're going to make a sequel to Quiet Place Part Two, I don't think you could have made a better sequel to that movie.
0: And and being a sequel, that's you know you you lower your expectations immediately. And uh, I can see why uh, at first you know, th- there was no desire by the directors and producers to to do that second film but once the something got formed and they liked the idea it did come back now after the and at least i saw published the 17 million dollar budget is probably it's probably close to 20 really to do a quiet place part two and the the first film didn't really have that much in the way of production costs the studio was going to be begging for (laughs) a third film after this kind of performance this quickly any other comments on a quiet place part two
1: It's interesting, like I mentioned, the two budgets I mean Cruella was a good movie, but uh, for it to cost 10 times as much as Quiet Place Part two, Quiet Place Part two had some great special effects. I think every cent of that movie was on the screen. Perhaps that's because uh, the uh, the star and the director were making their money on the back end instead of taking huge salaries.
0: Yes, and I, th- I think you're right. I, you know, you, 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 Cruella has some big stars. you got to pay them. And uh, Quiet Place Part Two was almost like a family production, wasn't it? But it had good acting in it. And as Alex said, prominent place for a... Uh, a deaf actress, which uh, which is very groundbreaking, and I thought that was an excellent touch. Before we move on, I want to say something, and I'm going to ask Adam to talk about it. Alec can, can jump in, too. One thing we've tried to do is just let people know that we're here. We've had the audio podcast out for some time. We've added the video as well. We've put that on YouTube now. So, um, Adam, just talk about how we're making every effort we can to make sure it's available for people who want to see and watch this.
1: Yeah, so we've always had it available both with audio and video. Video was just on uh, Facebook. Uh, we, we post the video there, and that'll remain. And then the audio we always had with uh, SoundCloud, uh, and Larry would do that with a lot of his uh, Larry and po- uh, Fisher's podcast. It was great because hey, maybe somebody's really into Fisher's politics and then becomes into movies. So that's always awesome. But just so we can reach some other people too and make, if you were just interested in the movie aspect of things, we're going to have a a second SoundCloud thing where I'll just post it on there. Uh, And then we'll also have it on iTunes and Spotify. And if you want all those links, the best thing to do is to like Grade A Movies on Facebook. Uh, I will share them again when I post this episode today. And uh, But I did share them before in there. So you can find links to subscribe all those. And we're already getting some subscribers and downloads on different platforms, Larry. So uh, branch out to maybe some other people.
0: Yeah, but just just so you know, my podcasts are also on Spotify and uh, on, on iTunes and so forth. But it wasn't uh, marketed specifically as greatamovies.com. So I'm glad you're doing that. And we'll hope we get to a wider audience. That's good
1: news. Larry, one more thing before we move on from the box office. I wanted to note the international box office of some things. Uh, you know, Quiet Place Part Two did very well overseas because, you know, there's a lot of silence in the movie. The language barrier didn't matter, the special effects. And one movie that hasn't even come out in the United States is already making a ton of money overseas. And that is the new Fast and the Furious movie, which has already made $250 million worldwide uh, before it even opens in most markets, including the United States. So, Uh, There is some hope for the box office there, both domestically and internationally with the certain types of films.
0: And the interesting part of that, Alec, I want you to come in on this. Uh, That's interesting because different countries have different rules. Some are still basically locked down. Others have opened up like us or even more open than we are. So those international numbers are interesting just thinking about that aspect of it.
2: Do you know where the movie's done most of its money thus far, Adam? I'm assuming Asia.
1: Yeah, I think China is, uh, because they kind of get hit first, are now open up the most. Uh, And uh, because if you look at the the best movies, they're the highest grossing films for the international box office for this year. Uh, Fast and the Furious is already high up there, but there's, I think, a film that's uh, a Chinese language film that had made like $800 million box office. Uh, You know, and of course, as studio analysts would tell you, the international box office numbers, you have to take them with a grain of salt because they're not always reported as accurately as uh, some other things.
2: I um, would assume F9 is going to be huge here, though, when it opens later this month. It, it just It's going to be. I mm-hmm. it.
0: You know about Fast and Furious there? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, Fast
2: and Furious. Correct. They call this one yeah, F9. I mean, cause I, uh, not to insult the audience, and I'm one of them. Folks okay, who are going to go see Fast and Furious 9 probably aren't as concerned with wearing masks or whether or not they're going to get COVID in the movie. theater. It's just the truth of the matter. They're going to come out in droves.
0: Do we know the release date on Fast and Furious yet? Or? Uh,
2: June 25th.
0: Is that it? Okay, so it'll be just a matter of a few weeks. Let's uh, let's talk movies now. That's what we're here to do. Alec, I'm going to let you start. You've uh, you got a couple of uh, reviews out there. Talk about those.
2: Yeah, I wrote a review and published it just before jumping on here today. It was for a uh, horror movie from Canada that came out last week called Spare Parts. It's a very low-budget movie about an all-female punk band who uh, play a biker bar and get into a brawl with a uh, patron who's too handsy with them. There's a gentleman there who witnesses the fight and sees in these women promise for his uh, junkyard gladiatorial league. So they kidnap the women, remove one hand from each of them, and then attach weapons to their hands, saws, uh, axes. It, the movie is brutal and stupid and tasteless, but I found it very entertaining. You likely know if you're the audience for this movie already or not. So I gave the movie three out of five stars. Um, not for all tastes, but I thought it was fun. Uh,
0: that is uh, that is a very interesting take. <laughs> on a film so you give it uh, high high marks for being entertaining but uh, you've got to take the subject matter with a grain of
2: it's salt. garbage but it's enjoyable garbage at least in my humble opinion okay that's
0: enjoyable garbage is a great genre all right let's see so you have one other film to talk about
2: yeah i actually watched this this morning uh, you could debate whether it's a film or a uh, comedy special it's uh bo burnham inside it's been on netflix for about a week now um Burnham made this in the attic bedroom of his home. He uh, directed it, edited it, uh, stars in it, composed all the music for it. Um, It's almost like a rock opera dealing with how this guy dealt with the COVID-19 pandemic and draws other stuff into the equation as well. Um, Dealing with like toxic masculinity, dealing with the internet. Uh, I found it very moving. Uh, a lot of the issues that Burnham has, I don't have, but I know people that do. Um, I thought it was very thoughtful. I thought it was very funny. I highly recommend it.
0: Okay, sounds good. Uh, and where do you find that film?
2: It's on Netflix. I would rate it five out of five stars. If we're counting as a movie, it's probably my favorite movie of the year thus far.
0: Whoa, okay. Early in the year, but that's good to hear. Okay, Adam, you uh, mentioned this the last time we got together. It's actually coming out, I think, this week. The film is In the Heights. You've actually had a chance to review it. Uh, I think you actually reviewed it last time we saw it, but you wanted to sort of hold off until the film was about to come out. So tell us about In the Heights.
1: Yeah, I just wrote my review, uh, and I haven't published it just yet. I think it comes out this weekend, both on HBO Max and in theaters. But this is one that I would recommend seeing in theaters, not only because I think uh, the visuals are worth seeing on a big screen, but it's one of the best movies of the year uh definitely the movie of the summer it is a feel-good movie that i think we all need and uh i would go as far to say it is the best movie musical since chicago um maybe even further back and that won one best picture back in i think 2002 2003 at that time uh this is a fantastic movie any quibbles i have with in the heights are due to its source material So maybe this was Lin-Manuel Miranda, creator of Hamilton's first musical back. uh, He workshopped it in 2005. It reached Broadway in 2008. And you can see that it is less sophisticated than Hamilton, uh, but you can see seeds of what he was doing there. But uh, despite that, I think this translation to the big screen is fantastic. It tells the story of Washington Heights, uh, a neighborhood that is mostly Hispanic on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. That has become victim of gentrification, uh, rising rents, uh, people in the neighborhood who are moving out and trying to find their way in life, young people. And uh, some of the dance sequences are just fantastic. It is shot on location in actual Washington Heights. So this is a film that I think. It's based on a musical, but it is worthy of being made into a movie because instead of seeing 2D backgrounds and set pieces like on Broadway where you have to use your imagination, the streets come alive and uh, it's probably one of the best uh, background settings for a musical since West Side Story. Um, it It is fantastic. You feel like you're there in the streets. There is one fantastic number at a historic pool. Uh, in uh, that was built in the 1930s in Washington Heights, with more than 500 extras uh, that were there in this giant dance number in the pool. That is something that I think will go down in movie history as one of the best movie dance numbers. Uh, I did read a little about the making of it. It was very cold that day when they filmed it, so that makes it even more impressive that the actors were hiding how cold they were where they're supposed to be this extremely hot scene that uh, took them two days to shoot. Uh, the director of this film is John M Chu, which you might know from crazy rich Asians a couple years ago. You know, he didn't have a great resume leading up to this. He did uh, step up movies, music videos, uh, a sequel to GI Joe. Uh, so it's not like he was doing uh, critically do loved fair. What? I think he made a
2: Justin Bieber movie as well. He
1: did. So he it was a lot of concert kind of fair, uh, crazy rich Asians uh, caught the attention of critics and audiences because there was some great direction in it. Uh, I think this film is going to make him even more of a household name. His next project he's doing is a big screen adaptation of wicked, which is another beloved musical. So he kind of is taking that path. One thing I want to say just about the making of this movie, this took them years to make this film, I guess back in 2008, right after it was on Broadway, Universal Studios bought the rights to the film and they were going to turn it into a movie. But uh, they fought with Linwell Miranda because they wanted to put someone like Jennifer Lopez or Shakira in the lead role. He didn't think that was appropriate. So the film sat there until the rights basically expired. They got the rights back. And then Warner Brothers pitched them by actually making a mock-up of the set. This was after Hamilton came out. And uh, there's also another interesting side note. So, if say the movie was made back in 2008, well, Lin Manuel Miranda was the original lead on Broadway. He was going to be in the movie, but now, years and years later, he got too old, so he didn't do that. But if he would have made that movie in 2008, while the movie was turned down and he found something else to do, he was traveling and he picked up a book to read, and it was an autobiography or a bi- not autobiography, a biography of uh, Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow, and uh, of course that caught his interest, and then uh, the world was changed there. So I guess if they would have made the movie back then, we might not have had Hamilton.
0: Well, not not a bad choice on his part. I think it worked out well for him that Hamilton is still Mm -hmm. around, and yeah, I heard the story about Miranda not being uh, young enough when the film was finally uh, produced, and it was actually his decision, as I understand it. Yeah, uh, I mean, he, he was all for not having himself in the film, although he was looking forward yeah. to it in uh, at, at 2008 when they were thinking about doing that. I've seen um, the trailers for films. You can't really think a trailer's going to tell you what a film is about. But after seeing the trailer, what you have just said, Adam makes me want to go see the film even more. It makes me realize it is, it comes through as the film you
1: see on that trailer. What's interesting is when they made, when they were going to make the movie originally, they said there weren't any bankable Latino stars for, to make this an international movie. Now, uh, of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda is such a big name. You don't need big name stars in it, but, uh, and it's mostly unknown actors in the leads, uh, Miranda said interesting thing in the interview, he said, you know what? The stars of Crazy Rich Asians, they weren't big, well-named people before that movie came out. That film made them stars. And this film was going to do the same thing for these Latino actors, Anthony Ramos in the lead, who actually had a small role in the original Broadway cast of Hamilton. Uh, I think he is going to be a household name after this movie. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely recommend seeing this one.
0: You have one other uh, review you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, this isn't a movie, but it's kind of tied into a movie. Uh, if you're a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know Loki. Loki is the villain from the Thor movies and the first Avengers film. He has his own spin-off television series dropping on Disney+. Plus, uh, No extra charge if you're a subscriber. This Wednesday, and I uh, got to see the first two episodes, and it was a delight. I enjoyed it, uh, especially... Owen Wilson, who is one of the lead actors on it. Uh, Owen Wilson is kind of an underrated comedic talent, I think. Uh, It's a fun, funny, interesting, full of mystery show with a lot of time travel and uh, a villain in the lead of Loki, where he's kind of a a sympathetic villain. Uh, It kind of reminded me of Quantum Leap at times because they're jumping from time period to time period. And unlike WandaVision, which I was not as big on, this film, this uh, series has a lot of mystery, but they do answer enough questions, at least in the first two episodes, that I wasn't bored out of my mind. I was very intrigued, and the first few episodes I really liked. So, if you're a fan of the Marvel movies, this Marvel TV show coming out this Wednesday on Disney Plus, Loki, that might be up your alley.
0: Okay, so that's uh, Disney Plus, right? That's not in theaters, correct?
1: That is no, it's a TV show, so okay. it's in, it's in on Disney Plus, and I think. Uh, the plot of this show will definitely play in to later Disney or Marvel movies. So I don't want to give too much away, but specifically with alternative timelines, uh, that might become a a plot point in later Marvel movies.
0: Let me uh, talk about a couple of films uh, that I've seen. The first one is on HBO. It's been on there for about a week or so now. Uh, the fil- excuse me. The film is called Oslo. It's about Oslo, Norway, but what it's really about is a set of of talks between Palestinians and Israelis that centered there. And it's a really interesting story for the following reason: it was a husband wife excuse me <coughs> a husband wife combination. the The husband worked for a nonprofit, and the wife worked for the ministry, the foreign ministry, of Norway. And they both got this idea that they wanted to get talk started between the Israelis and Palestinians. They've been fighting each other for such a long time. They were just kind of running out of, 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 of uh, energy and it was time to talk peace. So it's I won't get into all the details of the story, uh, but it's really about these this, this married couple that have ups and downs and they took a huge chance. Each of their jobs could have been in jeopardy had this not succeeded because the wife did not tell her superiors at the Norwegian foreign ministry that they were even doing this so and then the nonprofit the same way that the husband worked for so this was this was a high roll of the dice for both of them and uh, it actually ended up working out in the end although as you watch this and you see the first meeting between the Palestinians and the Israelis you wonder how these people are ever going to agree to anything because all they did was at the beginning was just yell at each other about the uh, atrocities each had uh, done to the other, and but it's interesting how once that subsided, they talked business, and it was interesting that they the sides actually saw an interest in each of them to get something done. Now things are in even worse shape in the Middle East now, but that those Oslo talks are some of what was agreed to there is still in place and still uh, is uh, made then Middle East, that area of the Middle East, a little bit uh, better place to live. So I would recommend it. If you have HBO, Oslo is a very good film. It's not an outstanding film. It's just a good film. And I would say, on balance, I would recommend you see it. The second thing I wanted to talk about is a series, a a documentary series, uh, four parts, I believe. That's been on uh, Netflix for a while, but I just recently got a chance to to look at. It. There's so much content on Netflix, who can see it all. But this is called "The Sons of Sam: Descent into Darkness." You know, I was a journalist and and uh, working in radio news, so you know you're you're following every news story as the wire service brings it into you every day. And that whole Son of Sam, New York City situation, it went on for months where they had these killings going on, and the police were desperately looking for this killer. They called him the 44 caliber killer at first, later the Son of Sam. And, of course, David Berkowitz was arrested and convicted, actually pleaded guilty in the end, and he's in prison for life right now. But this is all about a man named Maury Terry, Mari Terry had a nice cush job. He worked uh, editing an in, in-house publication for the IBM company in the New York area. And he became obsessed with the son of Sam, uh, the whole issue, because he did not believe David Berkowitz could have done all this by himself. And he comes up with oh, this, this unbelievable web of people who were in Berkowitz's life uncovers the uh, this satanic cult that didn't come out originally but did come out later that uh, berkowitz had been a part of this group and that maybe some of these people in that satanic cult that met somewhere in new jersey not far from new york city that these people may have been involved in these killings and uh Anyway, it's, it, and how people who tended to be in any way involved with them ended up dead, and nobody ever investigated how these people died or who killed them. So it's, it's a fascinating take. And Maury Terry, he was so obsessed with this, it ruined his marriage, it ruined his health, and he ended up dying at a fairly young age. Uh, but his friend who uh, directed the film, his name was Joshua Zemin. He doesn't really re- you know, reveal the fact that it was his friend, but he takes three boxes of material that this Mari Terry guy had put together and did this documentary film with lots of footage that was available from Terry himself and other sources. So uh, Son of Sam has always been, uh, an, uh, I'm, I've never been obsessed with it, but it's an interesting subject because I remember following it day after day as it was happening and how it affected New York City and impacted people. And this documentary reminds everyone just how impactful this was for the people who lived in all the boroughs of New York City. So, uh, Sons of Sam, Descent into Darkness. It's a pretty tough film, and there's a lot of ugly scenes in there. You have to just sort of be aware of that. But if you have Netflix, worth seeing. Okay, that uh, takes care of what I have to say. I guess we're now uh, at parting shots. Any, any parting uh, comments that anyone might have to have? Alec, uh, I'll give you the first chance. Uh, anything you'd like to say before we wrap this up?
2: Sure. I'll have a uh, few more reviews coming out this week, both at gradeamovies.com and thefilmyap.com. Uh, tomorrow I should have one. It's an unearthed movie by the late horror maestro George A. Romero. It's a movie called The Amusement Park. It uh, premieres on Shudder this week, the uh, horror streaming app. So I'll be looking forward to watching and reviewing that film. Uh, I'm also reviewing the, uh, the new Mark Wahlberg, Antoine Fuqua team-up Infinite, which was uh, taken from movie theaters and is going to be debuting on Paramount Plus later this week. So both films I'm looking forward to. Hopefully you all will go and check out my reviews.
0: It's good to see George Romero is still in the game, eh? Um...
2: No, well, he's not. He's he's deceased. He's well. I mean, his it, name. His, na- his
0: is name. He is he really? I mean, yeah, maybe we, he's a zombie maybe.
2: directing a movie now.
1: Who I, knows? I,
0: I, I, you know, we just like him to fake his own death, right? So he could just no. But I'm I,
1: not that he's. Uh, his name is still around. I should. Hey, we've started this conversation about him faking his death. Larry said it first. Now we, we've got to continue it. You've so. Trust
2: <laughs> that beautiful radio voice. If Larry says it's so, <laughs> it's so.
0: I have to be careful with that. No, no I didn't say he did. It's just that. Uh, Alec, uh, questioned whether <laughs> Mr. Romero was still gone, but his name is still out there and he's still on Shudder, One of those, uh, uh, one of those great apps we have uh, where you can watch whatever you want, when you want. So Adam, your shot, anything you'd like to say
1: before we end this? Uh, there's some good news, mo- you know, some exciting films that are still coming out. Uh, I look forward to black widow coming out in, uh, July. Uh, I have a couple of reviews that I'm scheduled to do this summer. Uh, I think, In a week or two, I will have, uh, Luca, the new Pixar film that is coming, uh, straight to Disney plus no theaters, no extra charge. And that is, takes place in Italy with a little different look for the animation, uh, for this one. I'm also signed up to do the jungle cruise with the rock and Emily Blunt, uh, coming out in the end of June, uh, a, uh. Kind of looks a little Jumanji-ish, but it should be a fun uh, take on a Disney ride turned into a movie. Uh, and then uh, scheduled to do the next Purge film, uh, which I guess in the, the premise of this new Purge movie is, you know, like you know what the Purge movies are about, Larry. Right? We're gonna educate you. Okay, so I'll going to get another one. I, I, I need to you be educated. Here. Okay. Like
2: this
1: one. So the Purge, they, these films, they decide that you know, murder is rampant in the United States. So they say there's going to be one night a year that you can break any law that you want, except for like terrorism. You can't do, you can't like drop a nuclear bomb, but besides that you could kill anyone, steal anything that one night and you can't get in trouble. So all the rich people like lock themselves in their houses while the streets are, you know, terrorized one night. And then in the sequels, they find out it's actually a plot to get rid of, poor black people and uh there's almost a donald trump-esque leader of the purge party uh
0: okay i have it, seen this i have seen a <laughs> purge film it took a little thinking back i'm not as young as i used to be but yes i have seen one purge film
1: okay so in the new purge movie i guess the premise is they're like all right the night's over with purge is done and then some people decide no it's not done we decide what it's done and they're like wait a second the genie's out of the bottle look out i guess yeah. so. <laughs> Interesting purge side note. Um, uh, I th- go ahead. I'm, I'm I th- sorry. I, I, I uh, one, I think Donald Trump accidentally used the slogan that was on the poster from one of the purge movies <laughs> in I one of that. his reelection campaigns. I, I
0: heard about that. Yeah. And I,
1: I'm I think there right. was a, a guy who used an emergency siren for something, but they accidentally used the emergency siren that was in the purge films. So the the city was like, wait a second, what's happening here? Is the purge started? The, the purge
0: is not on, folks. Please understand. <laughs> Let me say just one quick thing before we get two quick things. Uh, I just uh, traded in my iPhone for a new one, so when that happens, you get a free year of Apple Plus TV. I guess that's what they call it. So I'm anxious to see. I mean, I I don't know what content's on there or whether what's worth seeing or not, but I'm gonna at least check it out for the next year and see what, uh, what's there. There's so many streaming services. Uh, you just don't know which ones to avoid and which ones to use. So I'm going to try out, uh, the Apple uh, plus I TV.
1: Got, I got two recommendations from that. Okay. Ted Lasso is fantastic. The Apple TV show. It is a very feel good show about a football coach who ends up becoming a soccer coach overseas. And it's just a lighthearted comedy that, uh, everyone who's, watched it, just loved it. Also, there is a Sofia Coppola film with Bill Murray in it that is uh came out last year on the Rocks. Not the greatest film, but if it's free and included, I think it'd be worth a watch.
0: So did Ted Lasso get the job in Europe because he thought their football was our football? or
1: It was a... Co- you Not to give too much away, the owner of the team was trying to destroy the team Okay, by right. hiring a terrible coach. Oh, they're
2: pulling a major league.
1: Yeah, except have you, have you watched it, Alec?
2: I haven't. I, I really would like to. I do not have uh, Apple TV+, but uh, it seems like they're doing some good content. I did review a film of theirs earlier this year, which I was only so-so on uh, Cherry, the new Russo Brothers movie with Tom Holland. But it does seem like they have some good content on there.
0: And one last thing I'll mention. Um, I, I did see an HBO uh, series which features uh, a well-known uh, film actress, Kate Winslet, and that was the mayor of Easttown it's I think seven parts it's an hour each one thing I'll tell you about that is just about this little town that uh you wonder I've never seen so many messed up people in one little town including the mayor of Eastwood Kate Winslet's character
1: I can name some cities if you want to
0: no watch watch <laughs> the series and tell me okay <laughs> i I and I know a few yes I do and this sounds like a few of course you know it's a film so everything bad happens to everybody but uh, there, what I found is that the, the writing was extremely strong in this film. And, and Kate Winslet, you know, and she took, picked up this dialect, this local dialect, which was very difficult to do. And there's a man that she sort of has a relationship with, and, and both of them have these British accents, and you would never know that to see them in the film. They were, I saw a little post uh, interview or, or little documentary they did at the end of the last episode, and it's amazing how a lot of these people had very different accents than they had in the film. The dialogue coach did a great job, but the writing is very strong. And Kate Winslet, uh, based on what the writers said, had input into how some of these scenes were done. She had input into some of, uh, in some of the dialogue when she wanted to change. They om- almost always went along with what she wanted, and that made it a very good series. So it's it's very well done, well written lots of plot twists you just don't see coming. The Mayor of Eastwood on HBO just finished it and uh, really really enjoyed it and for, uh, starring someone who's best known for her films. Okay, gentlemen, if that's it, I want to well, want to thank you very much uh, for getting together again. We'll do it again soon. This is the gradeamovies.com podcast. You can find Alec and Adam's work at gradeamovies.com. You can find my reviews, uh, you'll find them at LarryAndFishers.com under my Arts and Fishers podcast. So we very much thank you for watching and listening our GreatAMovies.com podcast, and we wish you all uh, well, and we hope that you are all well, that you are well, and that you please be kind.